Hello, this is Bradley Jester on the COVID Conversations with Bradley podcast. I'm here today with my guest, Drew Sievertson. Drew, thank you for joining me. Absolutely. So on this podcast, I'm focusing primarily on mental health with regards to the coronavirus pandemic, because as you know, and a lot of my listeners know, this pandemic is taking a huge toll on people's mental health physical health, and just their overall well-being. So I kind of wanted to start off by asking, during this pandemic, in order to curb the spread of the coronavirus, people have been asked to primarily just kind of associate and hang out with people within their household. And so I was wondering if you've personally seen in your practice an increase in the number of people reporting symptoms that are synonymous with anxiety, depression, that kind of kind of the likes of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly, to be fair, I see people who report that even before coronavirus, um, but absolutely those um, have increased. And, and, and people who maybe like, as I work with parents or things like that, people who we weren't necessarily talking about that stuff um, from the outset, certainly we are now. Yeah, that's a good point that you bring up because for people that don't know, you are a licensed mental health um, counselor, yeah. counselor, yeah, but you say you've been kind of seeing like an increase in maybe intensity. Is that accurate or? Yeah, how would I put it? Certainly, right. Um, for better or worse, we're all experiencing this stuff at the same time, obviously different aspects for different people, but yeah, in general, right. With anxiety, there's a couple of components that have to be present, um, you know, ingredients for anxiety, if you will. And uncertainty is one of them and it has to be something you care about. And so when we have uncertainty with regard to how our daily lives proceed, anxiety is going to be there almost, almost like lawfully has to yeah, and these times, they're so unprecedented where everybody's being asked to um, be super flexible and students are, act, are being asked to, you know, take classes remotely from home and not having in-person instruction. Yeah, there's just so much uncertainty. People are worried about whether they're going to um, maybe like maintain and keep their jobs, how they're going to provide for their families. There's just so much uncertainty in these times that... Well, at a very basic level, right? Like uncertainty about your own health and well-being with you know the potential for death and so that's that's uncertainty that you know well up to this point is not necessarily part of our daily life yeah that's something that i think is so interesting about these times is every something that i've noticed is it kind of feels like every single minute action that you take can have these greater implications um and it's really exhausting especially like if you're even deciding like okay like i need to go to the the grocery store right to pick up some i don't know milk and eggs or whatever something so simple that we wouldn't even think twice about now is like okay like i need to make sure i have my mask and stuff i need to make sure that when i'm in the grocery store like i don't get into super close contact with anybody because you don't know if somebody has the virus and they just aren't showing symptoms right now. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so I think just every little decision that we would otherwise not think twice about could potentially be this like life or death thing. And so I think it just kind of wears on people and, and mentally kind of wears them out. Yeah, for sure, right? Those those decisions you might not have to scrutinize. Yeah, now you're having to think a lot about. During this pandemic, it's so strange because I know in the past people would talk about, um, I, I feel like nowadays with um, kind of the rise of social media networks and people just being on their devices and um, their phones and stuff so much, in the past, I feel like there's been a lot of literature about how maybe being connected technologically, like so much isn't the greatest for your mental health. But nowadays, we kind of just in this climate, I feel like we have really like no choice. I know, for me, if I want to stay connected with like family and friends and loved ones, you know, I can't meet up face to face, I have to FaceTime them or call them or maybe I shoot people messages on Instagram, you know, and kind of the likes of that. Um, all my classes are remote on Zoom and stuff. So it just feels like for better or worse, everything is digital and on a screen and a device. Um, I guess my question is, do you think with us, you know, just being on our devices so much, like more recently, like, um, I know people have been feeling kind of a bit more anxious, depressed recently. Could that be a contributing factor in all of this too? Well, I think um, kind of to your point, uh, in some sense, it's fortuitous or amazing the technology that we have for the demands of this sort of, of the global pandemic, right? Like that we're, able to meet via zoom that you're able to have remote classes that i'm able to meet with people remotely um is is profound like we're we're teed up for this in terms of that as well as you could ever imagine um and it takes considerable considerable adaptation like certainly one thing that i bump into um with some of the three younger people that I work with and families that I work with is like video games, right? Mm -hmm. And people being able to play with their friends from school in a way that is is otherwise not safe, right? Like you can't just, hey, I'm gonna go over to so-and-so's house, um, but you can't come home and play video games with them and you're playing with your friend. And, you know, before coronavirus, you know, that might have been reported as a problem. Uh, we, we want them to be able to see each other yeah and, and now it's like thank goodness that avenue is available uh because these guys wouldn't be able to see people they have fun with. yeah um so there, there's I've, a huge upshot there yeah i haven't been doing the i haven't been playing video games so much but um recently i've been bored and i've been um playing iMessage games yeah that's kind of funny I've, i'll challenge my friends to um like checkers or yeah. like battleship or whatever on my iPhone. And it's kind of a fun way. Like if I'm bored and I have a spare minute or two, I could like play somebody back. So yeah, I, think, I think there's considerable, you know, and you're talking about it in different ways, like 
humans are adapting in a profound way right now, like across the globe. We never get to see something like this. And and obviously it's challenging also being a part of it to observe and and look at how interesting it is when it's so so difficult day to day for each one of us. But it is pretty amazing. Um, yeah. I think, you know, with regard to screen time and what it produces, is it a bad thing or a good thing? You know, obviously that um, there's a tremendous variable <laughs> amount of variables that go into that. Um, I think some of the upsides are that, um, like you said, it can create a social community that otherwise we would be um, disconnected from. Yeah. Uh, and I think it provides a considerable amount of validation Right, it's really nice to hear about other people going through similar stuff. Yeah, I think that's the one thing about this pandemic that is strange is we're all, I think because we're all going through it, it's a little bit different than maybe a normal. Right. I'm trying to, like, if, like, people go through periods in their life where maybe they're feeling a little bit down or kind of in a rut. Yes. Um, and sometimes during those periods, even though you can recognize that maybe other people have had similar struggles to you in the past, or there's other people going through struggles like that, you know, currently, sometimes it, you can kind of feel like, oh, like I'm the only one experiencing this. But it's strange because we're all, as kind of a global community, going through this at the same time. So it's like we're all grappling with you know, thoughts of like worrying about, just worrying about our health and stuff. We're all kind of grappling with those thoughts. Yeah. I think, you know, getting a little bit away from the social media piece, but like what happens and your example is awesome because what happened in the past is also this additional element, again, not so much within the field of psychology and professionals like myself, but the community at large in general might say, well, gosh, that's a bummer that that person's having that problem. I wonder what they are doing, right? The sort of like <laughs> pull yourself up by your bootstraps and and buck up and and then you'll feel better. Um, it sort of attributes the depression to that human. And I think what happens here, again, you have to be hit with like a global pandemic for people. For people to realize this, we're like, oh, maybe it's the context that has a lot to do with what's going on. And maybe it isn't just a fault of that humans that they have a mental health challenge. Maybe there's more going on. And yeah, all need to help. Because I definitely think, um, I think with mental health, there's kind of a couple of different components to it because there's, I think there's definitely, and I'm no professional, so don't quote me on this, but my kind of understanding is I, I think there's kind of a neurochemical basis for some of these um, mental health illnesses. Sure. Um, and I think there's some people that maybe are a bit more predisposed and more likely to um, develop mental health problems. Yeah. But I also think that kind of your environment and your I want to say environment but just yeah kind of your surroundings and mm -hmm. 
kind of your day-to-day life can almost, I guess it's one of those things where it's like, my understanding is kind of just, yeah, just day-to-day life can exasperate it and kind of bring it on a bit more. Yeah, for sure. Your context can exacerbate any of those symptoms, right? And and absolutely, there's um, physiological pieces that uh, have to do with it um, and behavioral and context pieces. I just think, right, the challenge is when we, um, or, or the sort of dead end really is when we blame the person for this situation. It, like, we attribute too much to that person's, like, personality, so to speak. Yeah. The fundamental fundamental attribution error is what it's called. Yeah. This next question is a question that pertains to me and is something that I would just like to know. I think that would be useful to other people too. So someone who is diagnosed with ADHD, I've noticed that during this pandemic, I've had a harder time focusing or uh, just concentrating in general while working from Mm -hmm. home. I kind of find that working from home is unstimulating just really dull and monotonous and boring and i guess i miss like being on campus and working in the library and having like my peers and stuff around and yeah it's it's been really hard for me to concentrate so i was wondering um if you have any tips for uh people like me yeah um well you brought up the the stimulus piece which i think is well, I know is that one of the major challenges, right, is is that when you're in your room, and this is the same as like trying to get work done in your bedroom at your apartment or in your dorm room or stuff like that, when when you have the same stimulus around you that it also represents like, I don't know, going to sleep <laughs> or playing video games with friends or doing other fun things, right, it's hard to shift essentially your your mindset or your behaviors, right? And so it's like, um, it's like, uh, uh, the campus library, right. Might elicit certain behaviors and thoughts from you. Right. Everyone all of a sudden talks a little bit more quietly and they bring out their books and they might sit together. And, and certainly then there's the social piece, right. Is like, if we're, if we're working on work together, it kind of influences us to keep working. Whereas if you're at your house, all the, all the things that make a home or a bedroom enjoyable and soothing and nice um, probably are at the very least distracting, right? You have your posters or music or musical instruments or like the things that you enjoy doing and they're all within arm's reach and, you know, no offense to classes online, but they're probably more <laughs> enjoyable. Uh and so, yeah, it's, 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 it's very distracting. It'd, it'd be like, it'd be the last place I recommend, you know, like I'm having a hard time paying attention. I would never be like, I know, do your classes online from in the most distracting place that exists in your life. <laughs> yeah. So this is just yes, a general question. It's easy to kind of um, get lost in all of the, in the negativity and stuff. What are some ways that people can maybe like, stay a bit more positive um and just i guess just ways for people to stay happy and mentally healthy and get their way through this pandemic yeah um 
I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if the goal <clears throat> necessarily is exactly happiness, right? Like, um, uh, okay. That, might that be was, a... yeah, no, I see what you're saying here. Yeah. I think, well, actually that's even another, this is kind of a side tangent, but that's actually funny that you should say that. Cause I think so much of life we're taught, like, you know, pursue happiness and stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, I think just the natural ebb and flow of life is there's going to be moments that, you know, kind of feel like despair and kind of feel like a bit lower. And then you're going to have those euphoric highs and stuff. And I think that's in a way that's sort of, this is going to sound poetic, but almost the beauty of life is I think if it was just euphoric highs, then yeah. you would get used to that and you would have nothing to compare it to, I guess. So it would just, you know, you would just yeah. get used to it and stuff. So I, I feel like you kind of need that opposite so you can kind of get perspective on things. Um, so maybe happiness is not the right word, but yeah, maybe the question should be how can people, I guess, cope and get through things? Yeah, I think about it is is sort of like being constructive. I, you know, certainly we can identify and sometimes it's through retrospect, but constructive versus destructive responses um, or behaviors or patterns, right? And so I don't, if our, if our, if our, you know, criteria is happiness, we might not achieve it, but we could still be pretty darn constructive. Um, so we don't want to say that it's a failure if it doesn't produce happiness, because that would cut out a ton uh, yeah. of, of stuff that's pretty darn good. Um, so, yeah, I think about is how can we be constructive? And I think, um, as we talked about a little earlier, we're probably beyond the expiration point of, of simply having coping strategies that we extend beyond, you know, their useful life. <laughs> um, right. And, and there've been a bunch, right. And, and some are great distractors, like, you know, Netflix is doing quite well right now. Uh, things like that. And, and that's, that's good, but right. People need a little bit more. And so I think, um, kind of go back to these ideas of like what do you want to have happen yeah um because oftentimes when we're feeling despair or distress or things like that um right that that's where that comes up and and so we want to escape from that uh despair or distress and and so the question that kind of gets at that is what do you want to have happen and sometimes it's i want x y or z to go away or to stop right and escape or coping can sometimes produce temporary relief from that. Um, but usually that always gets to, or, or can get to, um, again, what do you want to have happen? And it might be like, I want to be able to see um, friends or things like that. And so those usually lead us to things that we can do. They will be different. They have to be. Um, Cause you know, at this point it's not safe for them to be exactly the same. And that, that, requires a little shift in expectation. So I think that's another piece too, right? We're in a global pandemic. If you asked anybody outside of this or before this, should you have the same expectations for yourself um, during 
lifetime now versus during a global pandemic, right? Everyone would be like, well, I don't know how you could do that. How could you have the same expectations? I think they should shift, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I think that's another thing too, right? We're like a global pandemic, we already said, probably can count as a traumatic event and certainly can count as a crisis. And when we talk about navigating crisis or traumatic events, we have to change our expectations for what we want to have happen, um, for what we can accomplish, for what we expect of ourselves, um, for what we expect of other people. And so I think that can be a really nice piece. And it's not lowering your expectations, right? Because people think that's bad, but rather it's bringing your expectations into um, uh, alignment or to be congruent with our environment. Oftentimes when we have incongruent expectations, they're incongruently high. Yeah. Well, that causes unnecessary suffering. I'm sorry, cut you off there. Yeah, I think this pandemic, something that I've been trying to work on is, I guess for me in the early goings, I was hoping that, you know, this would just be this really short temporary thing. Um, And so, yeah, it was easy to get kind of, lost in the tiger king and you know all that kind of stuff to distract you but i think after i mean it feels like it's been at least eight months now or something i think there comes a point where you know this is the so-called like new norm at least for the foreseeable future so yeah i think what has been helpful for me is you know it's okay to to want to at some point be able to live a life that, you know, sort of resembles, I don't know, the pre-pandemic, but we don't quite know when that's going to come. And so I think just desperately clinging on to this thing that was the past is okay. But I think looking at the present right now and seeing, okay, what, how can I make use of this time? Like what are maybe hobbies or interests that I really wanted to dive in, dive deep into before, for example, right? But I was just so distracted with, you know, visiting friends or just, you know, being social and stuff. So I think what's really helpful, at least for me, has been, okay, yeah, the times are different. And we're not going back to the past, at least for a couple more months. So would, How can I? It's a good, yeah, it's a good point. You can't ever go back to the past, as far as I know. Yeah, and but, I think that's right. That's an option. <laughs> as of as of this date and time, we can't go back. We don't have a time machine. Well, I think what's so interesting about just everything is, I mean, people are like talking about this vaccine, like this miracle vaccine, like it's going to fix everything and life is going to go back to normal. Well something that I think I mentioned in the previous podcast, but something that I think about is, okay, well, this is a global pandemic, something that's affecting what the seven or 8 billion people on this planet. Um, even if people in the United States get, get vaccinated, there's just huge swaths of people that might be unvaccinated and we live in this globalized society. And so, if there's still, you know, lots of countries where huge, you know, amounts of people don't have access to a vaccine, well, how are we really able to, you know, travel like we used to, for example, because, you know, coronavirus cases in 
one country, right, start um, flaring up, that could just spread things all over the globe again. And so I think it's going to be a really long time, if ever, before we see life somewhat resemble, at least somewhat resemble the past. And so I think it's important instead of, you know, clinging so desperately to the past, to kind of look at the future right now and see what kind of opportunities it affords you that maybe in the past you weren't given, right? Um, yeah, I think, you know, uh, to that point, right, a lot of this stuff that we're talking about in, includes an element of navigating sort of grief and loss for what isn't or what can't be and, and sort of an element that's almost like, right, how we navigate death. Um, yeah. But right, there's a point at which um, you have to accept that it, it can't be the way it was, and that 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 can take a lot of work and energy, right? Um, obviously, because you don't want it to be that way, um, and and I think you know we're certainly still within the realm of of, of grappling with that that we don't want it to be this way. It, it does impede progress um, to be in that position for sure. Um, because, you know, you're rejecting what is what is actually happening. And so that makes it hard to adapt um, in, a, in a constructive way. Yeah. Um, that was like my little bit of positivity, like my little mantra or whatever, but mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think that's something in the U.S. I think there still are some people that um, just, I think, want to carry out life like normal. And I think we're just past that point, you know. I think you have to be a little bit realistic, you know, and see things for how they truly are right now, which is unfortunate. But, yeah. Yeah. Um. So I guess to close things out, I feel like there's always, you know, a stigma surrounding mental health. And I do think that kind of leading up to this things, I, I think the discussions that were more frequent and getting better, but I think there was still a lot of, and there still is a lot of progress on that front that needs to be made. But um, something that's been nice is the fact that collectively, because we're all going through this and we're all dealing with this together. I think people feel a bit more comfortable expressing how Mm -hmm. they're feeling and maybe some Mm -hmm. of the issues that are going on in their life because maybe it's just that sense of not being afraid that you're gonna be judged or whatever. I I don't know exactly, but I think this might be an overgeneralization, but I definitely feel like I've been slightly more comfortable opening up about how like I've been feeling for example but um I guess do you think like after this pandemic is over and things I guess return to normal not really (laughs) but like when this when this pandemic's over do you think um the discussion's going to keep happening and we're going to kind of make progress on that front I guess I'm afraid that we're going to um you know, folk, like, I guess I'm afraid that, you know, during this pandemic, 
there's going to be more of an emphasis on mental health. Um, but then, you know, when this is all over with, we'll just go back to our normal lives and kind of brush it under the rug and just not really talk about it. Yeah, you know, um, certainly there's a a long sort of history of um, stigmatization around mental health challenges. Um, So that won't vanish. I just, unfortunately, just can't. Um, Yeah. But I think we have a new collective experience. Um, that did and probably has, right, impacted everybody's mental health. Yeah. Um, that we can label pretty, like, very clearly. And that makes it, at, at the very least, more relatable and sort of, like, more tangible. And we know that when things are more relatable and more tangible, it makes it easier for us to understand um, uh, or, or conceptualize, right? Or, but the labeling piece alone, right? Like to talk about and be like, oh, that's a, that's a, this, that's a mental health challenge that I experienced um, during coronavirus. Certainly there'll be a piece where it's associated almost explicitly with coronavirus. And you're like, well, yeah, but that's done. Uh, we're finished with that now. So we don't have that. Um, I would imagine that could be part of the narrative. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it does open it up uh, to be just part of the language that we use, right? That's been one of the challenges with navigating mental health is just being able to talk about it. It's hard to label the private events. Um, if you don't have the language for it or you haven't le- learned the language or you don't have a history of your family talking about this stuff, then you don't have a way to articulate it. Yeah. Um, and and you, can't, you can't see it, right? We often compare it to a physical challenge, whatever that may be. And we do a much better job of taking into consideration a person's physical challenge, right? Again, name whatever one you want, but if somebody broke their arm, we can accommodate for that um, pretty easily, right? Like you might open the door for the person or something like that. And being that mental health challenges are are covert, um, it requires it requires a different way to communicate about it. It requires language. So um, hopefully that's um, been given a bit of a boost. Um, Yeah. With with a common experience, right, comes that common language and we all get to be like, yeah, I'm having one of those too. Yeah. I have to be able to talk about that. When I have that language, I feel feel like I can relate to you. Yeah. I guess for me, it just, the concern is that I think it's really easy for us as Americans um, when something happens during the midst of it or right afterwards, we'll discuss it. But then something else, you know, flares up or we hear there's some new big national news story or something. And I think it kind of distracts from things, but yeah, I think I think that's all I have. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate being able to chat about it and and I appreciate your questions. Um, yeah, I think this will um help some people out 
some useful information. Oh, that'd be that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Absolutely.